to the 148th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? Good. So, Roger, one of the biggest developments over the last couple years uh, in terms of wireless has been the rise of Fixed wireless access is an option for many broadband subscribers. So I thought we could devote an episode to talking about FWA in general, but also what we see in our research. We think we have more FWA sample than anyone else out there, and I think there's some really interesting stuff that we see, and we want to share that with uh, listeners to the podcast. The, the, the trigger is like we were on a on a webinar with one of the infrastructure providers, and they were talking about fixed wireless and uh, we were like thinking well we got a lot more in-depth data than what we saw here and so we we decided to provide a little bit of a of a glimpse of of what we're seeing right beyond like what t-mobile published last year we we get this data like on a weekly basis and so we can track quite closely what is happening and our numbers line up quarter after quarter quite closely with what the carriers are reporting. And so in a way we have like a an early view, right? As well. So we know roughly how that FWA quarter happened and and happens as it's ongoing before the carriers are actually reporting. So you know one of the leading indicators of FWA usage is that your mobile provider is offering FWA. More than three quarters of T-Mobile FWA customers have T-Mobile as their wireless customers, and the same is true for Verizon, right? Mm-hmm. Which, I, which I think makes sense. If you think about the, the incentives around FWA that, that both T-Mobile and Verizon have been using to drive adoption, they'll give you a $50 product for $30 if you're already a wireless customer. And so it's almost an upsell opportunity. When I think of fixed wireless and mobile service, at least within the context of what we see for happening both at T-Mobile and Verizon, the anchor product appears to be the mobile service. And then the upsell opportunity is the fixed wireless offering. Yeah, and what was interesting when when we listened to the webinar was like, oh, we thought FWA was only a threat to DSL, but now it's also a threat to cable. And I don't know, when did we build that slide? Like nine months ago, where the headline was, FWA is a threat to everybody. And that continues to be true. Plus, it's an expansion of the market based on our, what's our sample right now? 12, 13,000 FWA customers, 18% never had home broadband before, right? That's a significant expansion of the market, 18%. Then as no surprise, it's the cable guys followed by DSL, but then even fiber is contributing you know, close to 20% of FWA customers are coming from fiber because it's good enough till today, right? And it's a lot cheaper. And I think it's a confluence of factors, right? So if you're in the market for the first time for broadband, you know, if you're going out and you're looking at options, you can go to store and come home today with a box that's got an FWA router in it. 
You don't need to wait for an appointment. You don't need to have somebody drill a hole in your house. If you're a renter, that's important, right? Because you may not get permission or there may be some other kind of arrangement. Or you're, you're forced into somebody's agreement, your, your landlord's agreement, and you have no choice and you don't like the choice that your landlord made, right? Right. It's also, in many cases, cheaper. And the other thing that we see, you know, one of the things that we ask folks as they go through the survey, we ask them a battery of questions around issues you've experienced within the last 90 days. And you really see kind of two or three different tiers of service. So on on the kind of high end, you see fiber connections more or less. So Verizon Fios, ATT Fiber, Frontier has a high proportion of fiber subs as well. Those folks are least likely to experience outages and other associated issues with their connection. So that's kind of the top tier. The next tier down is actually fixed wireless. And so you see T-Mobile and Verizon's fixed wireless subscribers are, are significantly less likely to experience outages based on, you know, this is all self-reported data, but, but you know, everybody asking, being asked the same questions, they're more likely to experience outages than fiber customers, but significantly less likely to experience outages than cable subscribers and DSL subscribers. And so from a kind of reliability perspective, and we have a colleague who was on a cable connection that recently switched to fixed wireless and his experience has been, you know, obviously sample size of one, but more reliable. So from a kind of services rendered perspective, there are some issues that we see in terms of congestion, particularly during prime time, but from an overall, you know, does it work when you need it to work? perspective, fixed wireless seems to be fitting the bill. Well, at least right now, right? The FWA model is monetizing fallow spectrum. So when we look at that model, you know, it tells us that Verizon and T-Mobile will hit their subscriber numbers basically when they say they will hit their four to five and seven to eight million. But the other thing that the model shows us is that the fallow capacity is mostly used up by then by a combination of more customers and higher data usage. And that is data usage before new products like AR and VR, right? Running your Apple Vision Pro on a FWA connection will be possibly not that awesome unless the FWA providers have a really crappy customer acquisition process over the next year and two. But that is just on the mid-band spectrum. So to get beyond, they need either more macro spectrum or they need millimeter wave spectrum. Because that's where you know the capacity will run out in first urban and then in suburban markets. Because they will protect their their mobile revenue and their mobile usage any day of the week, any time of the day over FWA, which is by far a lower yield, right? We, we see about 400 gigabytes right now. And as this will continue to increase, where there are a lot of people, it will run out first, right? We, we saw it already with... When T-Mobile is selling a metered plan, that is your sign that they're constrained in the system. But what else do you see, Don? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's obviously capacity constraints, right? But I I think that 
where FWO is generally most needed oftentimes is, you know, where it's still being built out, where mid-band spectrum is still being built out. And in the more rural areas, for example, we know that Verizon bought 200 megahertz of, of C-band spectrum in the upper Midwest, where there's not a lot of population, but it's likely a lot of that spectrum is going to, as opposed to around 140 megahertz in the rest of the country, I think the hypothesis being that that's an area where there's not a lot of population density that they bought the spectrum at the right price and they'll be able to bully some of the local DSL providers, right, quite a bit with a much faster connection with better technologies, easier cost to serve. The other thing that we see, I think, is really interesting with fixed wireless. You know, we, we measure a number of different dimensions of net promoter scores. So traditional net promoter scores, are you, would you be willing to recommend this service to a friend or colleague? And we also split that out by aspects of the service. So things like web browsing, streaming audio, streaming video is the bill easy to understand, technical support, value for price, et cetera. And when we look at across all the national broadband providers, we see a similar hierarchy in terms of what we talked about earlier with the reliability, but it's flipped. And the idea here is that that fixed wireless actually drives higher levels of satisfaction than any other technology type. And I think there's a number of reasons there. One, it tends to be a lot less expensive, right? So when you see value for price, Verizon and T-Mobile net promoter score is is well north of, of 30 points, which is massively positive from a from a net promoter score perspective. Remarkably different to to sometimes what we see in on the mobile side. Right. So fiber tends to generate really high satisfaction scores, particularly in terms of technical delivery. So is it fast? Does it work? Everything else where things sometimes fall apart for both cable and fiber is on some of the support aspects. So is the ability to understand technical support, value for price. Sometimes fiber or cable connections can be expensive. What's also interesting is that how high AT&T Fiber's value for money ranks. And, you know, we, we, we have this heat map, and it's re, it really stands out in that it still doesn't offer the same value for money as FWA, but it, it, leads, the, it leads the pack of everything else. Right. It's the only non-FWA value for price metric that's positive across the national providers, right? But I think there's a couple reasons for this. And, you know, we, we did some work looking and there, nobody has publicized the FWA churn rates, but we think we have a, a, a pretty close dial on it. One of the things that happens with FWA is you, know, you go to the store, try it out, you bring it home. It either works or it doesn't work. You might move it around a couple different places in your house. If it doesn't work for you, you take it back. And, and all the national providers of FWA have, give you, you know, a, a either two-week or 60-day money-back guarantee, right? And so you're going to know pretty soon if it works or not. If it doesn't, you take it back, and it's kind of no harm, no foul. Mike, Mike Sievers actually talked about this, about how return rates for FWA are higher than phone service. But that because there's there's you haven't scheduled an appointment out two weeks, you know nobody's drilling a hole inside your house. It's less of an issue for customers. Um, but so there's a survivor bias, right? So if you don't like it, you don't show up in the numbers because you haven't committed in in a large. Way. The flip side is that the return rate is very high, and it's like the number one issue that the FWA providers are 
focusing on because it's a little bit like the antenna gate situation with Apple of like you're holding the device wrong, right? Because what we've heard is like when they do the post-mortem of why are people bringing it back when according to their internal maps and, and signal strength estimates, they should have like a really good experience and they don't. And what they are seeing is that customers are putting it into a location where they put their old routers. And sometimes that's like in the middle of the building, not at the window. And then you have propagation issues and, and, and these problems. So they're ironing out those kinks, right? We saw very early on, since we get the data on a weekly basis, we could see how Verizon and T-Mobile were fixing the software in their routers and how they fixed like their wide area connectivity problems and their Wi-Fi attachment issues that they had. It was really, really interesting to watch, right? Yeah, so both T-Mobile and Verizon have gone through a couple iterations of the the routers that they use or the, the gateways that they use for FWA. Because we were identifying those routers and those gateways, we were able to see in real time as they as those those satisfaction numbers on Wi-Fi connectivity, for example, started out low and then went up over time as they fixed the firmware and, and then eventually ended up rolling out second gen, third gen devices. Yeah. But in in a way as we're wrapping up this call, what will be very interesting is how how cable will be fighting back, right? The growth has been stymied and uh, they're holding even on broadband. You know, their revenge is their massive, massive mobile gains. And we'll see what happens when they roll out Doxis 4.0, which should be you know, at least in the lab, it's a lot more reliable than Doxis 3 and 3.1. We'll see if it is re- more reliable in the field as well. And what this will do, right? And how they will fight back. Because the other thing that, that I think we increasingly see is it's a converged sale. And that's what I hinted on in the beginning, that the leading indicator for FWA is your mobile provider. and that's the strategy of T-Mobile, that's the strategy of Verizon, and that's the strategy of Comcast and Charter, increasingly. And all of them are trying to make their product, their comprehensive product portfolio better. AT&T is trying to do the same thing, right? They, they now launched FWA, they called it AT&T Air. Internet Air, yeah. Or Internet Air. And... I think it will roll out more, right? They, they've launched it in some of their markets, and so we'll see what happens there. Well, yeah, I mean, we see we see aggregate FWA penetration in areas where AT and T is is strong, is, is lower, right? And it, it's I think because of that affinity for the wireless provider, right? So as they begin to push internet air more aggressively, I think we'll see uptick in those areas of like the South and the West where AT&T tends to be very strong on the wireless side. It's it's an interesting space. It's the, I think, first real killer use case beyond speed tests, as you say, for 5G. And it's it's definitely making a huge, 
huge impact both in the world of wireless, but also in the broadband space as it relates to MSOs and, and, and other types of ISPs. So we'll keep an eye on it. And it's, it's certainly keeping us interested in terms of all the data that comes in each week. Thanks, Roger. Thank you. Thank you.